You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 989 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, rival low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's podcast will feature myself and Ben Mahich of Locked On Wizards, talking about the Hawks and the Wizards coming up this week, Monday and Wednesday, for the Wizards and the Hawks in Atlanta. One of those two-game baseball-style sets that have been happening this season, and some pretty big games here, obviously, for the Hawks, and honestly, for the Wizards now, as they've been red-hot recently. The Wizards are much better than they were a few months ago, and as a result, these games are... uh, more difficult for Atlanta than they were originally projected to be. With that said, Bradley Beal's going to miss at least Monday. We'll get into that momentarily. But first, some new stuff from the weekend. Obviously, a long break for the Hawks here between games. A three-day break without a game for the first time in two-plus months. A welcome time for that to be happening. Um, with that said, the injury stuff has obviously been at the forefront for quite some time now with the Henry Hunter. And some relatively positive updates on Hunter over the last few days. The first update was from Nate McMillan on the radio, actually, at 92 on the game, the Hawks' left flagship radio station here in Atlanta on Friday. He said that Hunter was expected to practice live on Saturday and sort of forecast that he could be back in uniform by Monday. Um, from there, uh, on Saturday after practice, McMillan said that Hunter did have a live practice playing 5-on-5 five five on Saturday, which is definitely a landmark occasion in his rehab. And basically, though, spun it forward to be almost like a game-time decision for Monday. And by the way, he's listed as questionable officially for Monday's game. So it's still a question mark, but all signs are pretty positive. And Miller talked about him in a pretty positive way, both on Saturday and Sunday after practices. Sunday's practice was more of a walkthrough kind of thing. No live play, 5-on-5-wise. Five five but that wasn't because of Hunter. That was because of everybody else and the sort of the schedule that was going to be happening this weekend. So at this moment... There are some signs that say Hunter could play on Monday. I'm not going to tell you that he will. He's questionable, but it's definitely a lot better of a place than they were in just a couple of days or even a week ago at this stage. So that's a pretty positive update, all things considered. Um, With Hunter out of the way, I guess, for now, and we'll collect them in a second, but the rest of the injury report for Monday is Tony Snell. It's actually questionable with right Achilles soreness. That's a new injury for Snell. I'm not really sure what's going on there with that, but questionable is something to at least keep an eye on for Monday. And then Cam Reddish is still out for Atlanta. On Washington's side, Bradley Beal is out with a hamstring strain that he suffered over the weekend. Sean Serrania said he's actually going to be day-to-day, so we'll come back to that moment, uh, later on in the podcast. But Beal, you know, it's obviously a huge loss. Uh, Beal is number two in the league in scoring this year. He's been very, very good for Washington. So obviously, goes without saying that that's a pretty big downgrade for the Wizards, you know, power rating-wise, heading into Monday. Uh, Russell Westbrook's been incredible, as we'll talk about momentarily also with Ben, but um, that gives them a chance. But Beal being out is obviously a huge swing toward Atlanta's favor in this game on Monday. And uh, in general, you know, Hunter's sort of a swing guy for this game, but even then, I will just say this about DeAndre Hunter. If he plays on Monday, I would just, they're going to take it easy on him. I'm fairly sure he's not going to be, you know, playing 30 minutes out of the gate. He's been out for a long time. I'm sure he'll have a minutes restriction if he plays. Um, obviously, the Hawks need Hunter to have their ceiling reach this year. He is a big swing player, both for this season and also beyond. So, um, that, I think we know that at this point. If you listen to this podcast, you definitely know that about Hunter. He's been out for so long, but he helps them so much, especially on defense, but really on both ends of the floor, if he is healthy and right. But he's been out for so long that they have to take it easy with him. So keep your expectations low for what he's going to look like on Monday if, if, he, if he plays and then Wednesday beyond that. But obviously, good news on that front. 
Uh, last thing real quickly on the game that's coming up before we get to Ben later on. Um, the Wizards, just as I said, are red hot. They're 32 and 36 right now. It doesn't sound like it's uh, that great, but Washington's 15 and 4 in their last 19 games. That's the best record in the league over the last um, you know month or so in the NBA. So they're obviously not that good either, especially without Bradley Beal. But uh, yeah, Washington's playing very well. So that's obviously a challenge. The game is in Atlanta. The Hawks have a rest advantage, so they're going to obviously be favored. There's no betting line right now, but especially with Beal out, the Hawks are going to be favored in this game, barring some last-second injury change on Atlanta's side. So they should win, quote-unquote, but uh, not, a, not, not a walkover in the way that it could have been if Washington shut things down. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. Last thing before we get to Ben is a look at the standings. Um, a pretty mixed weekend in terms of the standings for the Hawks, but they're obviously in a favorable spot overall. The big one that went against Atlanta, though, on Sunday was the Knicks beating the Clippers. On the road. That was a bad result for Atlanta. Uh, the Knicks now have a one-game lead over the Hawks with four to go, and they have the tiebreaker. So basically what that means is if the Knicks finish 3-1, and one, um, they will at least be tied with the Hawks. Um, and because they have the two-team the two tiebreaker, which, which we'll come back to in a second, um, the Knicks are now in the driver's seat, I will say, from the number four seed in the East. Now, they aren't in as much of a commanding position because of the tiebreakers and because of the... Um, schedule. They still have a couple of challenging games, but that was a big win for New York and not a great result for Atlanta on Sunday. Um, the other one, though, that it was sort of a head-to-head was Miami against Boston. Obviously, those teams are right behind the Hawks in the standings. The Heat now actually beat Boston on Sunday, um, and with that win, they're now tied with the Hawks. But Atlanta has a tiebreaker in that matchup in a two-team sense. So the Hawks actually have a two-game lead now on Boston, plus the tiebreaker. So basically, sort of an effective three-game lead on the Celtics. So if you were rooting, I said this over the weekend, but if you were rooting for the Hawks only to make the play-in, like if that was your number one goal, then you wanted Boston to lose because Boston, again, now is not dead just yet, but if the Hawks just don't collapse here, they're going to avoid the play-in. I think the percentage chance of the Hawks landing in the play-in now is like sub-5%, um, so that's that's a positive thing, obviously, um, and that was only helped by Boston losing um, but obviously now Miami's in a better position. So uh, getting in that 4-5 is obviously better than that 3-6 as well when you try to avoid Milwaukee in the first round. I did ask tiebreaker expert and Action Network writer Matt Moore about this, and I think we have the consensus, but it's not official in my mind, but Matt is very good at this stuff. Um, but anyway, I was actually asked about this, but if there's a three-way tiebreaker, um, there's obviously lots of permutations. I wrote about that a little bit over the, over the weekend at Peachtree Hoops, but... The three-way three tiebreaker that could happen the easiest would be the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Heat tying. And if that happens, we believe at this moment that the Hawks would win that tiebreaker, which is obviously a pretty big advantage for Atlanta. Without going into all the detail, the division winner is the first criteria on a three-way tiebreaker um, in the way the NBA does things. And the Knicks are not winning the Atlantic. That's already over, so they cannot win the division. Uh, in the Southeast, it's basically the Hawks against the Heat. And because the Hawks have the tiebreaker with the Heat... Um, they would win the division as the first tiebreaker over Miami, and because they won the division, they would then win the three-way tiebreaker over the Knicks and the Heat. So uh, that may not happen, and this may not matter at all, but I think, and so does Matt, who knows these things very well, uh, that the Hawks would win that scenario if that were to happen at the end of the season. So to recap quickly, the Hawks would lose a two-way tiebreaker to the Knicks, they would beat the Heat or the Celtics in a two-way tiebreaker, and then a three-way with... um, Boston, New York, actually any three-way tiebreaker, the Hawks would win because Boston and New York cannot win their division because Brooklyn already won it. Well, Brooklyn and Brooklyn and Philadelphia are the ones that are going to win that division. So anyone that's three-way tiebreaker should go in Atlanta's favor uh, as long as it involves uh, the Heat not beating them for the four seed. That's the only one that does not go away, not, does not go their way is if Miami gets to four by themselves somehow and the Hawks tie for three ways. Anyway, 
all kinds of scenarios out there, but if the Hawks take care of business, if they go out and win three of the last four or four of the last four, they should find their way into the four or five matchup somewhere. But we'll get into that much, more, much, much more. And obviously just winning is the most important thing at this point. And the Hawks have a pretty favorable, favorable schedule, even with the Wizards playing much better basketball in recent days. Uh, and with that said, we will get to Ben in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Indeed. Imagine you're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is to make your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier, and you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screening interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete your video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so that you only have to pay for your applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going for you on this fine Sunday evening? It's going well. It's going well. We just got some bad news. The Wizards learned that Bradley Beal is out with a hamstring injury against the Atlanta Hawks, I'm sure we'll touch on that. But besides that, going well, the Wizards are hooping. Uh, the Hawks are playing relatively well given the beginning of the season. So all's well in the Southeast Division, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I brought you in, I kind of mentioned, like, like you know, I'm guilty of this too. A month ago, six weeks ago, I looked at the schedule at the end of the season for the Hawks, and you saw the Wizards at home. And it's like, all right, well, the Wizards are not playing very well right now. And not that it was a gimme, but obviously a lot has changed. Uh, I said this as well, as well, but they're 15 and four in the last 19 games. I mean, Washington, obviously without Beal is different. I want to ask you about that in a second, but what changed? Is it just like Russ playing great or just things clicking? Like what's, what's going on with the Wizards right now? It's really crazy what a healthy uh, quad can do, right? I mean, a couple of days ago, we went to the Zoom post-game press conference and Russell Westbrook just kind of nonchalantly mentioned that he played with a torn quad at the beginning of the year. It's an injury that keeps players out for months and months. Russell Westbrook is an all-NBA MVP caliber player. That's the player the Wizards expected when they traded their franchise player in John Wall. It wasn't the player they got at the beginning of the year. I mean, he hadn't dunked in months. He was hesitant to drive to the basket. He was kind of just breaking jump shots and turning the ball over a lot. And it was really disappointing considering the fact that John Wall has started the season really well. Wizards fans were kind of scratching their heads wondering, damn, the Wizards really just traded John for Russ, who looked like a shell of himself. It turns out he was playing with a torn quad. Now you fast forward a few months, his quad is healthy and he's explosive again. He's dunking the ball. He's attacking the basket. He's rebounding and he's setting history. So it's really crazy. I mean, it's Eastern Conference. I get it. The Wizards are playing well above expectations. Like you said, 15 and four of their last 19. They're not that good. They're probably better than they showed early in the year. But Russell Westbrook, when he's playing at this level, he makes a team that's kind of sort of competitive into a really competitive basketball team. Uh, I don't know how things will work out in the play-in or playoffs because Russ has kind of struggled in those situations. But for the regular season and the way the Wizards are rolling, you got to give most of the credit to Russell Westbrook, I think. Yeah, that was my suspicion. Uh, I mean, I looked this up, but I think he's averaging 22, 14, and 14 in the last like 19, 20 games. Just kind of like video game stuff, like a triple double 
almost every night. Like I say that I'm not even exaggerating. It's like 17 of the last 20 or something crazy. And I know he has a chance to set an NBA record basically with a tri- triple double on, on Monday or Wednesday or both, I guess. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this. I'm, I'm kind of a rough skeptic in 2021, but even then he's been so ridiculous. And with Beal out as we sort of transition into the games, I mean, I feel like it's almost more of the rush show knowing that I guess Beal could play on Wednesday, potentially, I guess he's day to day, according to a couple of the reporting that's been out there, but he's out for Monday for sure. And that kind of puts more on Russ. It feels like. Yeah. And look, I was a Russ skeptic too, especially when the Wizards traded for him. Uh, he's tough to fit into any team. I mean, he plays a brand of basketball that I think is very conducive to kind of just him um, asserting his will on the entire team. And the Wizards just, the Wizards just becoming the Russell Westbrook team. But um, I think he's changed his game a bit as he's gotten older. He's become a facilitator. He's leading the league in assists right now. Um, he's playing a lot more efficient basketball. He's picking his spots a lot better. He's attacking the basket. And say what you will about Russell Westbrook. He's not a perfect basketball player, but he's the best rebounding point guard that's ever been. He's leading the league in assists right now, and he's scoring at will. And when you got you mix those ingredients together, you get a really, really good basketball player. He's not perfect. And I think sometimes people look at Russ's flaws and highlight them. Uh, and I think that sometimes happens because he's a Hall of Fame player. And how many other guys do you have in the league, especially as polarizing as Russell Westbrook? He's probably the most polarizing NBA superstar in modern history. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit. He's certainly up there. So it's easy to point out his flaws and highlight them. But he's been incredible in D.C. Not only has he been incredible on the court, off the court, his teammates love him. Bradley Beal has called him the best teammate he's ever had. And he's looked like that on the court. It's not like he's stat padding. He's doing it because he's just straight up dominating. Uh, over, over, I've covered the Wizards over like the last 10 years. This month and a half stretch or so has easily been the most dominant stretch I've ever seen of a Washington Wizard. And it's really not even close. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's, it's weird to hear that. But also, when you look at the numbers and like kind of just follow the way that's been going – that does make sense. I mean, no one puts up 24, 14, sorry, 22, 14 and 14 for a month plus. That just doesn't happen. And uh, it sounds like Russ has it going, obviously. And, you know, he's a big part of this, but I want to ask you about the offense because they're a top five offense in the league for the last month or so. And you know, coming into the year, Washington was billed as this offense first team that was so bad on defense last year. And um, they've been better than in the floor this year. We'll come back to that in a second. But the offense kind of feels like it's supposed to feel recently. Obviously, Beal, again, not going to play on Monday, which hurts a little bit. But is there anybody else that has been like this sort of been really good in the last month to kind of push that? Or is it, is it just for us or role players stepping up? Like what's going on with the offense lately? And how, I guess, for Hawks fans that haven't seen the Wizards, like who else do they have to worry about? I mean, this might come as a shock to you and your listeners, but Robin Lopez, right? How weird. Robin Lopez, who they signed as this defensive anchor, someone who does the little things. The advanced stats say that when he's on the court, the team's a better rebounding team, even though he's not collecting rebounds himself. The Wizards bought into that idea and signed him with their full medal level exception. And now he's become a go-to post player. So weird in 2021. This Wizards roster doesn't make any sort of sense. They have the most athletic point guard of all time. And the center in Robin Lopez, who probably couldn't jump over a piece of paper, but he's <laughs> leading the league in field goal uh, percentage in hook shots. I can't even like it's a tongue twister even mentioning it because it doesn't make sense in 2021. He's shooting 67% on hook shots, and the Wizards are feeding him the ball. I mean, he scored 14 points in their overtime game recently uh, just off hook shots. I mean, it's a damn near automatic. That's contributed to the Wizards' efficiency. Obviously, Davis Bertans, when he has it going, um, makes a hell of a difference. I think he makes the difference between a good Wizards team and a really good Wizards team. They paid him $80 million for a reason. He's been up and down, but when he gets it going, he's really good. And Daniel Gafford, 
all of a sudden the Wizards have a high-flying big man. I didn't think much of the trade when they got him, but he reminds me of like a young Tyson Chandler. That might put too much pressure on him, but he blocks shots, he rebounds the ball, he runs, and he can throw the ball anywhere near Daniel Gafford, and he'll go and get it. So all of a sudden the Wizards have a little bit more dynamic uh, offense than they did earlier in the year. Um, that's the sort of engine, but obviously Brad and Russ have made all the difference. Brad's the leading scorer in the league. He's toe-to-toe right now with Steph Curry. Um, having those two high-powered players on, on, on a team in the Eastern Conference will propel you uh, with without any of the other players I mentioned into top offense, especially in the East. So it's largely been Beal and Russ, but you mix in some of Robin Lopez's hook shots, Bertans' three-point shooting, Howell Neto stepping up, and Bertans, whenever you get him, I'm sorry if I mentioned him already. Um, you have They have some solid role players who, who I think have done a pretty good job of just playing their roles as of late. That all makes sense. And uh, more with Ben in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at betonline.ag. BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On, one more time, that is promo code Locked On, fifty percent more and a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as i said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Ben, uh, before we get to the defense, which I want to get to, a couple stats that I pulled, and you can correct me, I think they're, I think these are right, but the Wizards are leading the league in field goal percentage in the last month. They're top three offensive rebound rate. They're top five in assists. They're top two, I believe, in free throw attempts. Um, part of that, I feel like that's like a lot of that's Russ, like especially the offensive rebounding and the assists. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, getting the line of tone, like the, the profile of the offense, again, you know, losing Beal for Monday especially definitely matters. But it feels like this team is set up right now to still be pretty dynamic on, on offense. You know, the, I haven't seen the betting line yet, but I'm sure it's going to adjust a little bit for, for Brad being out. But what's your what's your feeling on, like, can they still score at a high level knowing that Beal's going to miss at least the first game of these two? 
I think they can. I mean, they have some random players who uh, look pretty inconsequential on a scouting report, like Howell Neto, right? I mean, he's been largely a third-string point guard his entire career. He's bounced around the league, but he came to Washington. He's been playing with a sort of confidence that he didn't play with in Philly or Utah. He's not. He's knocking down shots. There's been games where he scored 20, 25-plus points. Uh, same thing with Garrison Matthews. He's an undrafted player, but when he gets playing time, he can shoot at a high level. Bertans as well. So you surround Russell Westbrook with capable shooters, and all of a sudden you have a really good offense. And the Wizards have some of that. They don't have a floor spacing big man, uh, so to speak, and a center that can pop out and shoot threes, but Rui Hachimura can do some of that. He can also get it going. So the Wizards have an interesting mix of players. Uh, on paper, they don't mix very well, but it works on the court for whatever reason. Like I said, all these players are finding their sort of niche way to contribute robin lopez and his hook shots uh garrison matthews and drawing three-point fouls uh behind the three-point line so all these players are sort of finding their roles at the perfect time russell or scott brooks has has been adamant about not changing his lineup all throughout the year sticking to his guns and it's been working at, uh, as of late so scott brooks deserves some credit i think for his stubbornness because it is working for the wizards at this point in time we'll see how it works out in the plane or playoffs but as of now, it's working well, and, and I think he he has, obviously, immense trust in Russell Westbrook, and even with Brad out against Atlanta, uh, Russ has some weapons to work with, and, and, and it works in their favor because the teams they play with, obviously, they're NBA players, and they pay attention, but, like, when you're matched up with the Garrison Matthews or Howell Neto, you may not pay attention as, as, as well as you would have if it was Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, of course, so I think the Wizards get away with these random guys, so to speak, who actually are pretty good. Yeah, that's, that, all, that all makes sense. Um, and uh, offensively, they were supposed to be good, like I sort of alluded to a second ago, and they kind of underachieved early, and now they're almost correcting for that. But I was almost more shocked at the defensive numbers in the last month. You know, Washington's defense was, like, criminally bad last year, and you can talk about that if you'd like to. But they've been, you know, top eight, top ten in the league. How sustainable is that? You know, Beal being out doesn't hurt the defense necessarily, um, but is that a situation where that's even – somewhat real or uh you know i guess is, is brooks just like creating out of thin air right now with his defense because if you look at the personnel it doesn't seem to be an awesome defensive team but i know robin lopez, robin lopez definitely helps which is one factor i guess yeah i mean honestly like robin really hasn't helped much and that's the, that's the weird thing right they they signed him for rebounding the defense and he's given them kind of just offensive output in the post um again a weird development in the season there's some pretty good articles out there written about it but daniel gafford a guy who, again, we don't think about it at all, but he's made all the difference in Washington. He's the most athletic player, or big man rather, that the Wizards have had since JaVale McGee. You think about John Wall's time in D.C. He played with Marcin Gortat. He played with Nene. Not necessarily lob threats. He was begging for a lob threat or, or a big man that can go up and get an get a alley-oop. And the Wizards waited until they traded for uh, Daniel Gafford to get him when John Wall was already gone. But Gafford has been that player for them. He's made all the difference. Again, not a big name, but he rebounds, he blocks shots. And you look at the numbers. Ever since the trade, uh, one that didn't seem to move the needle, they traded Troy Brown, who wasn't playing for a player, and Daniel Gafford, who wasn't playing in Chicago. Uh, I was a skeptic of that trade because Troy Brown was you know, a mid-first-round pick and Daniel Gafford was a second-round pick who seemed to only play well against the Wizards. So I was like, all right, the scouting is kind of odd here. But it worked out. Daniel Gafford is a high-flying big man. He makes all the difference. And I think that's a matchup to watch because Clint Capella, he sort of reminds me of him too, where he does a little thing. He's a good rebounder, good shot blocker, and uh, sort of a modern NBA center where 
you don't need to throw the ball to him to be effective. He'll he'll figure out a way to get his double double and, and make a difference on the defensive end. So I think Daniel Gafford deserves a large part of the credit and the Wizards' defensive turnaround. Because like you said at the beginning of the year with Mo Wagner starting and Thomas Bryant starting even before his torn ACL, I mean they were just horrendous. There was nobody there to stop anybody inside. Yeah, and it's interesting because Gafford at one point was supposed to be a lottery pick and then ended up going back to school and dropped in the draft. And, but he, he had some pedigree too. And I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by him. I kind of always have been, and he's, he's a rare case where like a pretty interesting, like toolsy center fell a long way in the draft. And it was like, okay, this guy definitely has a role if he can figure it out. And it looks like Washington's kind of unearthed that. And it's pretty shocking. I still like Troy Brown for the record, uh, but Gaff, that, that trade's obviously working out very well for Washington and Gafford's gonna be big because I mean one of the questions I was gonna ask you is like can they match up with the, with the front court of the Hawks because Atlanta gives teams some trouble when they have Collins and Capella especially healthy and playing together and um, Washington is not small like that's one of the things about the Wizards at least right now they can play small if they want to but they're playing some lineups that are pretty beefy up front is there anything that concerns you about this Hawks team in terms of from the Wizards side you know, especially without Beal here, any, any matchups that are like really concerning to you in these two games? Yeah. I mean, Bogdanovich has been on fire lately uh, with Beal out. He's not obviously some all defensive player or anything like that, but he does well with his, with his assignments. He seems to uh, pay attention and not leave guys open. The wizards had a, have a pretty bad tendency of doing that when Brad's not on the floor, um, they fall off defensively. Say what you will about Brad's defense, but they're a better defensive team with him on the court. I'm worried about the way they guard uh, opposing guards. Lou Williams can can get hot quick. Kevin Herter is a good shooter. Obviously, Bogdanovich there and Gallo as well. They have a lot of guys who can get it done on any given night, who can give you 20, 20 plus points really any any night uh, of the of the week. So the Wizards have to get, do a better job of closing out on shooters because in their recent game against the Pacers, they were just letting guys get open shots and they were able to get away with it because it's the Pacers and they missed plenty of them but i think the hawks have a lot better offensive power than than, than the hawks or, or the uh pacers rather so if the wizards do that again against the hawks they'll be in trouble but yeah i think you're right the gafford matchup would be interesting scott brooks can't get it in his own way uh recently he was asked does, did daniel gafford earn more playing time um scott brooks said yes and then the next game he played 15 minutes again so uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how how his minutes expand or if they do because i mean that's been a sort of the scott brooks experience where Players are clearly earning more playing time, yet he's the sort of uh, coach where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, the Alex Len starting thing has been working in terms of the Wizards winning games. But, I mean, Daniel Gafford is above and beyond their best center. And I'm of the thinking that you should probably start your best center or at least play him more than 14 minutes a game. But we'll see how that develops. And maybe it won't even change until Scott Brooks is gone, if he's gone. But, yeah, if it was my call, I think Daniel Gafford would get that matchup because I could easily see it going south because if, if Gafford isn't on the, on the floor, I don't see how they match up with Quick Capella at all. Yeah, it's probably upset that we haven't mentioned Len on Len on this podcast. Said uh, former Hawks legend Alex Len. So I should have brought him up earlier on, but uh, that's 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 actually hilarious. And you're right. Obviously, I uh, I was known to defend Alex Len when he was in Atlanta, but he is not better than Daniel Gafford at this point. So uh, maybe that will change. And for the Hawks, I guess maybe they hope they, they hope that it won't in the next two games. Um, I guess we'll wrap up this way. Uh, you know, I think that I looked this up before we started talking. I think Washington's one and eight without Beal this year, which is probably overstating it a little bit. Obviously, some of that was when they were struggling early on in the season, but they're not the same team without Bradley Beal. Uh, again, he could play on Wednesday, theoretically, but Monday's out. Um, if I asked you for a prediction on how these two games are going to go, would you go with – I can't imagine you're going to say Washington wins both. Maybe, maybe you will, but I, I, would you go one and one as a most likely scenario, or do you think the Hawks might be able to sweep? Or I guess you could go on – you could sort of go rogue and say Washington sweeps on the road. 
Yeah, I'd probably go with a split here just because, as you mentioned earlier, Russell Westbrook is going to create history. He's going to get the most triple-doubles in NBA history. He tied Oscar Robertson on Saturday against the Pacers. I think he's going to play with that sort of high, right, where he's going to lead the league and, and, and set a record that might never be broken. I know we say that sometimes and these records inevitably do, but you look at the landscape of the league and how it's developing. It's like, I guess Luca might catch up to him in some weird way. I don't, I don't even think he can, but I mean, Russell Westbrook is the triple double King in the NBA and for him to be able to set this record um, on Monday, I think will, will propel the wizards to play at a level where I don't think they normally can. So I think they win uh, and then they lose uh, the second game against Atlanta in this mini series. So I predict the split. There you go. You're, you're on the record. Uh, ben, thank you for joining me, man. Please plug anything you got going on. A Locked On Wizards is uh, flying high, but anything else you want to share, please go ahead and do that now. Yeah, of course. Go follow us on Locked On Wizards. Check out the podcast. It's daily. Beginning of the year, it's quite depressing. I'm not sure many people tuned in. It was kind of a repetitive, why the hell did the Wizards trade for Russell Westbrook? He's awful. <laughs> uh, holy crap. Russell Westbrook's incredible. I'm so glad the Wizards traded for Russell Westbrook. So check out our takes on Locked On Wizards. And Brad, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, sir. Thank you again. Please check out Locked On Wizards. Check out the entire Locked On Podcast Network, including this show. Subscribe and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you all next time.